You are now listening to the El Paso Hispanic Chamber of Commerce's podcast known as Sharing Sweat Equity in our studio sponsored by Sun Carpets. Our mission is to keep you informed of what's happening in our local business community. We hope you enjoy and remember, EPHCC, it's your business key. Well, welcome everybody and our listeners to Sharing Sweat Equity, your El Paso Hispanic Chambers podcast here to communicate, educate, and inform you on all kinds of business issues. We are glad to be joined today by Ms. Liz O'Hara, the Community Relations Leader with Texas Gas Service. I am, of course, the CEO of the El Paso Hispanic Chamber and acting as your moderator today. We are thrilled to have Liz in the office today. Liz, welcome for joining us. Cindy, this is my first time out here, so thank you so much. You're I really welcome. appreciate this. We're excited that you're here to do our podcast. We have been wanting to do this for a while, and then COVID and all the other things kind of stopped us from doing it. So we are on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. So Perfect. we are out there, which we are very excited about. So let's talk Texas gas. Yes, which I think is an exciting topic because we all know we can't live without it. We've been doing a series of podcasts and we have done light. Now we're doing gas. We're going to go to water. Then we did John. So we're just going to cover all the infrastructure <laughs> pieces and we're going to be good and covered. Let's just hope we don't have the winds we've been having so that we can yes. stay plugged in. Correct? I'm with you on that. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Texas Gas and the impact to the climate charter and what you're already doing in that space. You know, you hear terminology like fossil fuels and carbon footprint and greenhouse effect and net zero emissions. That's an awful lot to take for the everyday citizen or the business owner. And so we're trying to educate, communicate and inform so that they can make a good choice when they go to the polls on May the 6th. Well, I want to thank you so much for inviting me to come out here. And you're right, this is a really big topic to wrap your arms around. And so we started kind of hearing bubbling up of some kind of a a charter or a climate policy of some kind probably about a year ago, about this time last year. Yeah, I think you came to visit with us a little bit about it. We did. Right after it was done, and we said we were going to watch it and see what what was coming. Yes, so I was able to visit with your advocacy. Correct, you did, that's right. And to say, hey, this this is starting to formulate and we're kind of concerned. We, we hadn't seen it. We didn't know what it was. We were just kind of hearing some bubbling up and thought, well, that's weird. None of us were a part of this. And, you know, for historic purposes, there are climate policies in Dallas and Houston and Austin and San Antonio. And El Paso's was a little bit more in the infant era of, of this policy. And, you know, last summer, Congresswoman Escobar had asked uh, nonprofit groups, business communities, hey, let's get together. She was putting together a, a white paper on the climate. So we sat next to members of Sunrise El Paso, of Eco El Paso, and it's it's us and it's Marathon. So really, people that you would think are coming from opposing sides that are coming together for the benefit of this community, and it went really well. So with that going on, that's when we start to hear about the climate charter. So it really kind of was a surprise, I believe, to the business community and and certainly to the utilities to see just how draconian this is. And so, um, you know, we have seen policies like what started in Berkeley, California, where they did an outright uh, fossil fuel ban. So no natural gas in any new construction. Well, that's intense. Terrible. Yeah. And you've seen other cities in California as well. Oh, big time. Without consulting, you know, a restaurant association or the contractors, this just happens. 
which is why now, a year later, you're seeing such incredibly high utility costs out of California. Yeah, they keep these type of policies. And they're all coming here to Texas, but if, if this goes through, they may oh, not want to come to Texas. They may move on. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when we finally get eyes on the climate charter proposal, it is um, coming as a citizen uh, petition. And uh, look, nobody is going to say, oh, no, I'm not signing that petition. I'm against the climate. Nobody says that because no. nobody believes that. Correct. And I think that really speaks to the good-hearted nature of who El Pasoans are. They we do all want a cleaner see, community. They want but there's clean a process air, to get there. Clean water, absolutely, and they want it to be affordable, right? And we embrace that. We, as all utilities, embrace that. But it's kind of the ambiguity, the broad nature of this climate charter that causes us a lot of concern. And you know, we've we've heard this before. The utilities haven't necessarily been great about telling the story of what are they already doing. So you started this conversation by asking what Texas Gas is doing. Because I know you've done a lot in that, in that greening space. We really have. And we started earmarking emissions for us back in 2005. So that's long before you start hearing these kind of policy mandates bubbling up. You know, we, we just took it upon ourselves and set a goal. And I want to look at my notes here, but we wanted to reduce our emissions by 55% by 2035. How do you track emissions? How do you track the reduction of that? Someone asked me that question and I couldn't answer it. No, it's a really good question. So what we're looking at is vintage pipeline. So the pipeline that carries the gas. gas then carries the gas to homes and businesses, um, you know, can sometimes as the ground shifts, as the pipeline becomes older, some of these pipes are decades and decades old. Going back to you know, when it was El Paso natural gas, Southern Union gas. Well, that's going way back, that's for sure. Right, mm -hmm. and so we, um, we, we have equipment that can detect when there are issues, and we've started to replace all of that vintage pipe. And that is what is really getting us to the number that we have today. We have so far reduced our emissions to 46% from that 2005 baseline. So we're well on where we need to go. And so when we're doing new construction, that new pipeline is already going in. And then when we work with the city or a sister utility and they have a project and they're opening up the street, we go in with them at that same time and we're replacing our vintage pipeline as well. And that has been really big. But in addition to that, there's a lot of forward thinking that goes into new technology. I imagine with all the way that you can do that. There's several ways. So one is called RNG, which is renewable natural gas. We can work with um, wastewater facilities. We can go out to landfills. And it's a little bit of a complicated process in how you capture emissions from there. You clean it up and you put that back into the pipe instead of natural gas. And so we're in the process of looking at what are those opportunities here in El Paso. We do have farmland around here. Um, some of that is in New Mexico. Could we get a co-op with those areas to be able to truck in RNG? What does it look like for us to work with the city or the county when it comes to the landfills or it comes to our wastewater treatment plants? And they certainly are interested in that because they have the same sustainability goals that we have. And those kinds of processes don't just happen overnight. No, not at all. You really have to look at what is the viability of the project. Could this be, is this just going to sustain, let's say, the, the wastewater treatment? Or are we capturing so much methane that that can then go out into the neighborhood, into a larger scope? So, yeah, to your point, I mean, these are, these are very important long-term projects 
that you want to make sure you get right because ultimately it's the consumer who's helping to pay for those. So you want to make sure that those are good. So RNG is one of the projects. We've been doing uh, what's called CNG or compressed natural gas for a number of years now. And we work with, in fact, the city of El Paso's Sun Metro. So Cindy, you'll remember back in the day when Sun Metro buses, bus drivers would step on the gas and the big black oh, yeah. would come out. Remember that happens that? even today when I'm sitting idle on a street. And, and there were times where, remember Sun Metro was having some issues, yes. they were stranding passengers. Mm -hmm. Okay, as they were starting to get a hold of some of those issues and they were upscaling their buses, we partnered with them to do CNG, which is compressed natural gas. It's a cleaner gas that fuels their bus, and now it has cut their emissions tremendously. And you'll know, and the city of El Paso has bragged on this as well, as they should, that Sun Metro receives national awards they do. for how well it's going. Right. And we're a part of that process, so we're very proud. And we, of course, also work with um, UPS. We are fueling those trucks as well. Oh, They've I didn't know that. Well, I bet our audiences didn't know that. UPS yes. as well. Yes, so we've been working with them quite a bit, and we have them. And then, you know, of course, we're looking at where, can, where else could we put compressed natural gas? Are there companies out there that have large fleets? Or maybe you could inst inst use those kinds of things. Correct. Um, even looking at our school districts, our big four school districts, Cañotillo, El Paso, Isleta, and Socorro, have large bus fleets. Could we implement something like what we do with Sun Metro with them? And so we're having those conversations. So as do well. you have teams of people who sit down and look at this and say, okay, where else can we go to be able to have more of a greening of gas? Absolutely. Or is this just one or two people? Is it a, a, a complete group? Is it a, a department? That's a great question. No, it's not done by happenstance. It's very methodical. And so in my role in community relations, I also work with our business development team and start identifying where are there opportunities for us to potentially use some of these innovations. And so I make those introductions, begin those conversations. So if a business is running right now and maybe is thinking about wanting to go that route because they care about the greening of America, but they also want to look at saving costs, would they call your office and have a specialist come and sit? They might, they might be a potential. Absolutely. I will tell you that I go to the gym most mornings. <laughs> every, every morning. But I did start to notice that there was um, a heating and cooling company that was every morning filling up at the local gas station. And I kept looking at them, days go by, and I'm thinking, oh, this has got to be really expensive for them. I wonder where they're located. I wonder if we have a pipe nearby that they could tap into and get a CNG fill station. And we're in the process, I'm literally that was, that's just an example of one that I stumbled sure, on. Sure, sure. But I thought, you know, if it's really not a huge upgrade, and right now there are a number of grants from the Biden administration, federal, and then also state grants right now that are helping companies convert into cleaner gas. And so we are alerted to those as well. And then we have those conversations with businesses to say, if you're interested, you're not going to flip the switch today. Yeah, I know everybody, think, everybody thinks you're going to do that. And uh, clearly the climate charter makes it sound like that's what's going to happen or that what needs to happen or they want to happen. And that's right. We know that in business, you, you don't do that. I know there's a plan, there's a process, there's a roadmap. You have to look at costs and people and implementation and effect. And um, it sounds like Texas Gas has done a lot in that space already. We have, and, and we continue to work with the city of El Paso, the county of El Paso. Um, we're looking at hydrogen, so we're starting to look into hydrogen technology. What does that look like? How would we produce that? 
going ahead and getting that into our infrastructure because that's our biggest cost really right. is Sounds the like pipe it. itself. Sure. And so we want to be able to use that pipe to put hydrogen out. So these are things that Texas Gas Service has been doing, like I said, going back to 2005. We have a baseline and I think that that's really important, especially as we start looking at the climate charter. We don't know as a community what our baseline emissions are. And there's different types of That would be emissions. hard, I would imagine, to, to monitor. It's hard to monitor, not impossible, but it does take time. And I think that you need to know what your starting point is in order to make your end goal. Right now, what the climate charter presents is an end goal without telling you where we're starting from. Mm -hmm. And that's a real issue because what if we're worse off or I'll be... What if you're better off? What if we're better off? Right. And it's not going to take us till 2030 or 2045. You might get it done sooner. Right. But we need to have that starting number. And that goes back to the study that the city of El Paso um, is going to start doing. So you'll remember that last November we had something called Prop C and it earmarked $5 million for the city to hire a climate director right. and right. to start looking at what its own building emissions were. And we all voted for that. We all voted for that. We feel that the city of El Paso should be given the opportunity to fulfill its commitment to the voters and baseline mark what that is. And come back with a plan on how they plan to implement that. Absolutely. I the see. climate charter is a duplication in some ways of what we've already voted for and are now paying for. And now we're in the month of March and that was done back in November. Correct. Clearly not enough time to sit down and really create a roadmap for complete efficiency and implementation I would imagine. Well and you know just you you mentioned the phrase sit down. I think it would have been great um, you know with regards to inclusivity sure. and practicality for the business community to have been a part of this. That discussion. So that we have that opportunity to say here's what's already happening for us here is our research on what our customers can currently afford. Given that we're coming out of a massive pandemic and there was such job loss happening in El Paso. And we're still not completely out of that. That's right. And here's what we can accomplish. Instead, what this does is it mandates and adds more regulation to highly regulated utilities. And not just mine, mm -hmm. El Paso Electric and El Paso Water. Our core competencies were just light water and gas, which that we can't right. live without. That's right. And so we really feel that it would be best if the city was given the opportunity to fulfill that commitment. In the meantime, you know, you've, you've heard uh, you know, my counterparts over, over at El Paso Electric say, you know, it, it's well-intentioned and poor execution. And the thing about that is, is that if this gets voted on, there is no, oh, mea culpa, <laughs> we didn't really mean that you have to buy El Paso Electric. We right. really want to study it. No, that's not what this says. Correct. We didn't really mean that you have to withhold El Paso water and hurt the outlying communities. We just kind of want you to do better with water. Like, that's not how this works. Right, that's not what's in this. That's right, and that's why it's so important um, that people understand that Prop K is not okay, and they should vote no. So what is the impact if it was voted for Texas Gas? I guess all that we're hearing is go all electric. That means my little friend who has a tia that likes to heat her tortillas on a gas stove that's right. is no longer gonna do that, and she's gonna go kicking and screaming, getting rid of her gas stove to go to electric. 
Is there is that kind of the impact as you trickle it down to the everyday citizen? Yes. We're, you're looking at an impact to how you're going to heat your water because you probably, in all likelihood, have a gas-powered water heater. How you are using your stove because it's probably a gas stove. Yeah, many of I mean, I have a gas stove. I love my gas stove. Right, and so do many cooks, many chefs. Um, and also how you're heating your home. Now, let me be upfront about something because I think that this is really important. We didn't have an opportunity to speak to it earlier, but I, I feel like it's an elephant in the room. Natural gas right now is expensive. And our bills for heating and water and cooking are higher than they've normally been. Um, and you, we're really hoping that that's going to be going down. We're working toward having that come down from our producers and suppliers who, you know, bring the gas in and then we pick it up as a local distribution company. Yeah, it goes through a lot of different channels, so it's not just here. Yes, but I do want to recognize that we know that this is a higher than normal cost for our customers. Usually I have people tell me how much they love Texas gas because their bill is only $30 or $25, and it's been more expensive lately. Okay. Given that, we are still the most affordable uh, utility here in El Paso, given the rise that we're seeing in El Paso water, the rise that we see in El Paso electric. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is that we all, the three entities, help each other. And you, ha you can't live without the other. That's right. So when you see the climate charter prohibiting water That's to the concern. fossil fuel industry, Correct. El Paso Electric is El Paso Water's largest customer. So we'll have a lot of water, but you won't have electricity. El Paso Electric uses natural gas in something called fuel switching. So they have different um, fuels that they can go to. So if they start to see natural gas is running low, let's say in a winter storm, they can switch over to diesel. They can they can go back and forth and continue without interruption. Well, I heard power. that natural gas is what saved uh, this last cold front that was in uh, the Fort Worth Dallas area, not yes. Austin, but Fort Worth Dallas, because they talked a lot about natural gas in that storm. That's right. So uh, there is a complement element for all the utilities. Not just in that storm, but in last year's winter storm, URI. That's the one that really affected most of Texas. And El Paso was able to stay, you know, with their power, with their heat. Right. And it's not just because we are on a different grid from ERCOT. It really comes down to the cooperation between our utilities and El Paso Electric's ability to switch fuels when it needs to. And then we are able to provide to our restaurants, our businesses, our hospitals, you name it. And our small are businesses are going to be very impacted. I think that's a conversation we've been trying to have everywhere. Yes. Um, you know, yes, we have large business that will be impacted, and it could impact industry recruitment and all those things. But it's also our small mom and pops who are don't have the deep pockets that some of the larger companies have or accessibility to new technologies. That's right. We're very concerned about the affordability and reliability issues should this climate charter pass. Um, you know, again, recognizing that we are an affordable commodity and people rely on us to be there. You've seen what has happened right. when 
it's not possible. Yeah. I will tell you where I really think the climate charter can be very concerning for small businesses like what you represent is going to be in that part of the climate that talks about the permitting process. That's very challenging as it is already. It is. And, you know, we've heard that currently permitting is taking four to six weeks. Correct. But under the, the guise of the climate charter, you have a climate director and a climate department that really has the opportunity to thumbs up and thumbs down your business application. If you're not adhering to the percentage of it, whatever's in the charter, correct? And we believe with that much scrutiny going on and demands to hit certain aspects that are still undetermined, right. you're not talking four to six weeks, you're talking a lot longer. And we now know the longer you wait, the more expensive a project becomes. And to your point, you know, those mom and pop businesses, whether that's a launderer or that's an HVAC company or it's a restaurant, every dollar they're not in business is money that it is not in their pocket. Well, what about what we're hearing about um, companies who have fleets of cars or trucks? Like, there's a gentleman that, that fixes our air conditioner and he has like 40 trucks that he goes out to fix. If this were to pass, does that mean he has to transfer all his trucks to electric trucks? That's a really good question because under the climate charter, there certainly is a push toward um, electri electrification of vehicles, solar power, the movement to get away from the fossil fuel industry, and I kind of think of that in quotes. So yeah, fossil fuel meaning coal, gas, correct, you know, which is a different kind of gas from what we do because that's gasoline. Right. But you're definitely talking about, particularly in our growth areas. Northwest El Paso, Northeast El Paso, and our outlying areas. So I was in Horizon City, City just recently and amazed that, that place has exploded. So that can certainly be a challenge. Right. So if you're going to force them, or even our school districts, Cindy, mm -hmm. if you're looking at Socorro and some of those growth areas, Canutillo, if they decide to start building new schools and they, because they are going to be a customer of El Paso Electric, have to start going solar. Mm -hmm. Those are additional costs that they're going to have to look at and fold into the bond when they go to the voters to say, we need more schools. So Those the schools voters are, are going to get it because their taxes are going to go up and we're already the highest tax already, which right. is already an issue. Which could be offset if we're able to bring more businesses and we're able to move that tax burden Correct. to business rather than to property home. owners. Right. But as you have heard, there's a lot of uncertainty about what is happening with this climate charter, and it may cause businesses to hesitate in to locating to El Paso. Or current businesses to expand. Correct. Because of the cost that they would have to entail. That's right. So what is your, your takeaway for the audience that's listening in terms of the top two concerns if this were to go in a different direction? We believe it really takes away consumer choice. You know, if you go to a grocery store, how many different types of bread yeah. are in front of you? Mm -hmm. A dozen? Ten? Maybe more. Yeah, right? right? We believe that the consumers in El Paso are smart enough to recognize what they can afford and what kind of energy they want to consume. This puts that in the hands of the city, which would mandate what kind of fuel or what kind of uh, utility. So here we would go again having government dictate to you, especially to business, which they're very tired of, what to do and what to use without having their choice. And I think that it's really important also to point out that some people will say, yes, we're going to lose a lot of jobs, but we're going to be bringing green jobs. You're not bringing that many green jobs. We're seeing that in San Antonio right now. They moved to this and it's not as successful as everybody had said it was. And crossing our fingers is not a good business plan. 
it's not something that El Pasoans should be doing. If you could talk to somebody who just started learning all about this charter, what would be your message to them? Well, I mean, if I was being flippant with them, I would just say, vote no. Um, but actually what I would say is, you know, it's it, the cost of this, just the municipalization aspect of El Paso Electric, which, by the way, is not for sale, right? It's like yes. me just coming to you and saying, hey, I'm going to buy your car. And you go, but I'm not, I, I'm not selling it. Yeah, right. I'm taking it. I'm going to give you money anyway. I'm taking it. That's kind of what's happening here. It's going to be in the billions of dollars. It will be the biggest thing that El Pasoans have ever passed. But we are that's not on the backs of El Pasoans, would it not be? Correct. And we are not going to recover. It's approximately $38,800. So let's say $39,000 from now till 2045. You're looking at $4.83 every day from now until 2045 to pay for this. That's craziness. It is craziness. And so really, you I, I think I didn't answer your question earlier about what two things would I tell them. I would definitely tell them that they need to be concerned about the affordability of this. And then I would tell them to vote no. Well, that's how you would direct the messaging. Yes. <laughs> what, what do you think needs to happen going forward with the climate charter, knowing that there are elements with good intentions in there? I think that... Voting no would allow for the space that is needed for the city of El Paso to move forward on its climate plan with its climate director and to be able to hear from the full spectrum of the community. A lot of times what we're hearing is, well, you know, businesses are doing this and businesses need to be forced to do that, as if business is not a part of the community. And the fact is that businesses don't stand alone. They are for people. They're run by people. They support people. And so to be anti-business, like we're seeing some of the proponents of this climate some charter. Some of the proponents do that because I was concerned on one of the pieces that has come to my attention to some businesses is the contracting aspect is the fact that some would lose contracts already with the city if they couldn't get up to speed based on what the elements are in the charter. And That's those right. that wanted to do business with the city would have to follow the percentage of of the climate charter and that's very expensive and challenging and time and talent and people and process and implementation and those are the things we're hearing uh, where a business wants to try to do their fair share of, of cleaning the air there are costs associated with that and I think it boils down to people time and cost I would really like to see us replicate what again what we did last summer with the congresswoman's office where business and nonprofits and activists were able to sit down. We've seen this work in Houston. Houston is the bedrock of oil and gas. Yeah. If you sure. can get an Exxon executive to sit down next to somebody from the Sierra Club, and yeah. everybody can stack hands on what is best for the city of Houston and what that looks like, I don't understand why that can't be done here in El Paso. I think it should be done. That's a very good point. So with that, with that message, is there anything else you'd like to tell our, our listeners as we get ready to wrap up today's session, as we try to communicate, educate, and inform as best we can about the upcoming climate charter on the ballot for vote on May 6th? I would tell your audience that I think it's important to recognize that you know, businesses, large and small, are doing what they can do right now to address the climate issue. And with regards to my utility, our focus is on bringing safe, reliable, affordable, natural gas to homes and businesses across El Paso. We've done it for more than 100 years. We want to continue to do that. And we embrace climate change. We want to be able to create a sustainable future for this community as well. 
we do not want to leave anybody behind, and we believe the Climate Charter could do that, creating social justice issues in this community that we simply don't need. I would say, you know, read up on it, know what this is going to do for you and your family, and ultimately, I would ask you to vote no against Proposition K. Thank you so much, Ms. Liz O'Hara, Community Relations Leader for Texas Gas Service. We appreciate your conversation and candid insight about what voters need to know as we try to communicate, educate, and inform so that you can make an informed choice at the polls on May 6th. And don't forget, early voting is coming April 24th. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll be back with The Water Company next on our podcast. Thank you so much. EPHCC, your business key. EPHCC, your business key. EPHCC, your business key. Call your Opesso Hispanic Chamber of Commerce today. <laughs>